Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Mother's Day service. We pray a blessing over every mother, every woman in the room. We recognize your faithfulness through the ups and downs of life, the love and care that you show, and leading into our topic for today, the gift that you are to this place, to the kingdom. And I think you'll agree, church, that we have some incredibly gifted women in this place. And we're blessed every single week by the, your obedience to the call that God has placed on your life. Now, that's true of the men in this place as well, but today's not about you, okay? <laughs> Just relax, sit back. Today, it's about the women in our lives who are an absolute gift from God. Uh, I just absolutely treasure my mum. She's the epitome of selflessness and love. She's just an amazing woman. The same for my wife. She's just an absolute gift from God. And you guys do countless things that go unnoticed. And so we celebrate you this morning. But today I want to focus on the impact that you make for the kingdom. And it's going to look a little different this morning. I'm only going to speak for about 10 minutes. And then I'm going to do an interview with a couple of ladies from our church. But I want to show you uh, how the Lord has included women in kingdom ministry from the very, very beginning. And then I want to interview two of the significant women from our church. And I want you to hear their story. But more than anything, I want you to hear the call that God has placed on their lives. And I know that language is a little unfamiliar to us. We really only talk about a call when the context of a pastor or maybe a missionary, you know, the professionals people, right? We don't really use that for, for, for the average person, but it's wrong. Well, the truth is that each and every one of you has a call on your life. We believe that. We know that. What a shame it would be to go through life and not know that call, to not know that you're walking in it, to not know the joy of walking in the call that God has for you. That's why I want you to hear their story and hear a little bit about how they discerned that call and what it meant to walk in that call. That's the plan for this morning. But I want to bring you to Genesis chapter 1 because that's where it all begins for us. It's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to be going through a couple of different passages this morning. Uh, the first one, sorry, that's Genesis 2. Go to the first one, please. Genesis 1. Is it in there? It's not there. Somebody have a Bible? I, don't know. I didn't bring a Bible. The screen is normally, it's all right. It's fine. I'll look it up on my iPad. Just talking to the person next to you, okay? I'm going to make my way to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1. Somewhere. What verse am I looking for? 27 and 28. All right, here we go. You can open up your Bibles. It's Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28. So, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then get this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing that moves on the ground. Here we are in day six, right? It's the, it's the climax of the creation narrative, right? 
God took a dark, watery chaos and and molded it into a beautiful garden that creation might flourish. But then he created mankind, us, and he set us apart uniquely to bear his image. And the idea is that you and I are an extension of the rule and reign of God. We're ambassadors of the Most High King. That's why he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule. It's a call to continue the creation work as ambassadors of Yahweh. He filled the earth. That's days four, five, and six, right? But then he turns to Adam and Eve and says, go and do the same. He subdued the watery chaos that creation might flourish, but, but then he calls us to go and continue that work. Well, it's a call to continue the creation work. It's why we get to the end of day seven, and we don't see that phrase, and there was morning and there was evening on day seven. You see that at the end of day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. You get to the end of day seven, and you don't see that phrase. Because there's not supposed to be an end to day seven. And the day seven was meant to just be the beginning, that we would partner with God as his ambassadors and continue the creation work. It's a beautiful picture. But you get to Genesis chapter 2, and it becomes pretty clear that it's just not something that Adam can do alone. He can do a part of it, but it's kind of hard to multiply by yourself. Am I wrong? Some confused people in here. You seem unsure. I'm not wrong. It's impossible, in fact. So here we go. This is Genesis chapter 2. We got this one. Beautiful. Adam can't do it alone. So we get to Genesis chapter 2 and we see this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And then continuing on. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I will make him a helper. That's what God says about Eve. And I know that some of you are probably feeling a little nervous right now because you're not a huge fan of that word helper. But I want to redeem it for you, okay? See, that word is azer. I will make him an azer. It means helper or deliverer. It's not a negative word. It's not demeaning in any way, shape, or form. It's actually a beautiful word that's incredibly significant. There's only one other person called an azer in the entirety of the Hebrew scripture, and it's Yahweh. I want you to think about that for a second. Two people called an Azar in the Hebrew Bible, Eve and Yahweh. It's not a negative thing at all. Psalm 146, verse 5, Blessed is he whose helper, whose Azar, is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Psalm 70, verse 4, 
May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love you salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my helper, my Isaiah, and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. And time and time again, the Lord delivers his people. He fights for them and, and rescues them because he's their Isaiah. That's what that word means. And yet here we are in Genesis chapter 2. God builds an Isaiah for Adam. That's what the Hebrew literally says. He builds an Isaiah. And that Isaiah is Eve. That's significant. God says, I want you to continue the creation process. I want you to be an extension of my rule and reign. It's just not something that Adam can do on his own. So God builds him a helper. And together, they walk in that mandate. That's the picture that we're given. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's just something that we were meant to do together. And we haven't always got that right. So some of what our culture says is probably fair. But some of it isn't. Because the truth is that Jesus included women in a radical way. And maybe some of that have been lost by the time we get to Jesus. But he brings it back. He reinforces it. Now, the Greco-Roman world wasn't a particularly egalitarian society. I'm sorry, ladies, that's just the truth. Women had almost no rights. They weren't allowed to own property. They couldn't provide for themselves. They weren't allowed to testify in court. Weren't even allowed to study under a rabbi. They'd been pushed to the fringes, and yet Jesus changes all of that. I mean, the New Testament is full of examples where Jesus has women right at the heart of kingdom ministry, kingdom activity. In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. He engages with her and, and opens her eyes to the reality of who he is. It's an amazing story. I love the episode The Chosen has on it. But the story didn't end there. She runs back to her village and says, you've got to come see this guy. I think I've found the Messiah. And intrigued, many of the Samaritans go and find Jesus. The Lord does his things. And once again, we're told many of the Samaritans from that town believed because of Jesus' words, but also because of this woman's testimony. That's the two reasons we're given in John chapter 4. Jesus' words and her testimony. You don't understand the pivotal moment this was for the kingdom. It's the beginnings of a gospel movement amongst the Samaritan people. And Jesus has a woman right at the center of it. She is the first evangelist to the Samaritan people. And then there's Mary and Martha. Martha is doing the, the right thing, right? And Mary's just sitting there. What are you doing, Mary? I've heard this preached a couple of times. And the preacher always talks about being versus doing. And that's true. But there's a deeper truth behind that. I mentioned it just before, but women weren't allowed to sit under the teaching of a rabbi. They weren't allowed to be a disciple. Martha's annoyed because she knows her place. She knows what's expected of her. And Mary's over there breaking all the rules. And yet Jesus overturns that. As he says, no, no, actually, he encourages it. She's doing the greater thing. He allows and encourages Mary to sit at his feet as a disciple. 
That's a radical shift. And I know that sounds strange, but you just have to understand how revolutionary that was. In Luke chapter 8, we see that Jesus' entire ministry was bankrolled by a group of women called Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 and 3. They traveled with him and the 12 and provided for them out of their own means. Women right at the heart of kingdom ministry. Time and time again, Jesus has women right in the mix, right at the heart of kingdom ministry. And there's no greater example of that in my mind than Matthew 28. And I got Matthew 28 up on the screen. It says, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who's obviously not as important, went to see the tomb. I mean, otherwise they would have given us a name, right? So, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said he would. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, and this is the key, right? Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. This is the climax of the Christian story, right? He's not dead. No, he's alive. Amen? Amen? It's the very essence of the gospel. It changes everything. That statement alone changes everything. And Jesus entrusts the good news of that message to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who we don't know who it is, right? Remember I told you, women weren't allowed to testify in court because their word meant so much less. That's the society that Jesus is speaking into. And yet he trusts the good news of that message to two women. And time and time again, Jesus has women at the heart of kingdom ministry because the truth is we were meant to do this together. So here's what I want every woman in the room to know. We need you. We need you. We need your hands. We need your heart. The Lord has placed a call on each and every one of your lives, and we want to celebrate that. But we want you to embrace that as well. We encourage you to embrace the call that God has placed on your life. You might be thinking, okay, but how do I know what that call is? That's the first question that people usually ask. Telling me I'm called, what, what, what is it? How am I supposed to know that? How am I supposed to discern it? It's a great question. And that's why I've asked Em and Janelle to come and to share today. I want you to hear their story. I want you to hear about how they slowly, over time, discern some of what the call that God placed on their life. They're gifted and called and walking in that. And we can all learn something from them. So church, would you welcome them up this morning? Fantastic. You might want to swing around. Amazing. Okay. So, we've established it. We've all got a call tough part is trying to figure out what that is, call is, all right? So I would love you to tell us a little bit of your story, how you came to faith, and how you discovered the call that God has for you.
I don't mind who goes. Go for it. You're on. Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Um, my name's Em. Just quickly, I'm married to a guy called Elliot, and we've got three children. Um, Esther's 21, well, turning 21 this week, actually. Um, Tom's 19, and Noah's 15. And it's a real privilege to chat to all you guys and share this morning. So, um, the other week, an old friend of my mum's came over, and um, we hadn't, we hadn't, she just popped by, and we hadn't caught up for years. So, she'd known me since I was in primary school. Um, so she'd seen me grow up, she'd seen my spiritual journey as well, um, and we just shared stuff, like she had some really significant things going on in her life, like oh, just um, really difficult that she was dealing with, and I just shared what, what had been going on, what I was doing, what I, what I was working in, and um, stuff like that, our kids, and you know, it was one of those chats where, um, you know, you just can't stop talking about God. And it was just really uplifting, even though she was going through such a hard time. It really, um, just, just sharing about how God is our refuge and our strength and our very um, help in, in, in times of trouble. So that was really good. But then any, anyway, after all of that, she basically asked me, so Em, what is the calling God has for you? Um, do you know? And I was like, duh. You know, I blanked out for, my mind blanked out for three, three seconds. And I said, um, well, God has called me to follow him um, as he moves uh, and calls. I kind of just go. So I, <laughs> when she left, I wasn't um, very satisfied with that answer. Um, so I was left thinking, um, um, what is my calling, God? You know, what, what is it? Then um, distraction got in the way, as it does, and I didn't let God answer um, that question. But two weeks later, I bumped into Dan, and I, you know, I never bump into Dan. We work together in the same space, but we hardly bump into each other. And he, he's saying to me, oh, you know, he's inviting me to share um, with everyone on Mother's Day about discovering God's calling, to share that. So it really did sound like God was wanting me to think about God's calling and actually tell everyone about it. Um, so it was a bit of an assignment for me. So I was born in the late 70s and um, to a couple of Malaysian student migrants. Um, I'm the youngest of three. I'm the only daughter. So mum and dad were believers, um, actually members of this church way back in the 80s. Um, so by the Bible, praying, um, fellowship, home groups, brigades, Baptist sport, you know, all that kind of thing was pretty much normal to me in my childhood. But um, high school was, was a bit different. Um, dad, dad dropped out of church. You know, he was struggling with some significant issues and addictions in his life. And, you know, if dad wasn't going, why should we? So the three of us kind of opted out as well, which kind of left poor mum faithfully attending church on her own for a good amount of years. And I'm certain, being a mum now, that that situation would have been really discover- discouraging for mum. But, you know, it was actually this um, quiet, her quiet commitment to God that was a trigger to the beginning of my own faith journey. Um, so I began to ask myself, uh, why, does, why does mum cling on to Jesus, God and the Bible? Why does she sing songs to him? Even when life seems painful and confusing and unfair in her, you know, around her. And I just thought... Look, if God is actually real, you know, is, is he worth my mum's belief? 
Um, but if so, I, I want to know, I want to know him like she does. And um, of course, deep in my heart, I'd always knew God was real because that faith seed had actually been planted in my heart um, from a very young child. So, but now God was drawing me near him. He always wanted me to know him. Um, I just hadn't realised that at that time until then. So I asked that question. You know the one? You're just all alone. You're in your room. Um, it's all dark. It's all quiet. God, are you really there? And if you are, please show yourself to me. And no, I did not hear an audible voice. Um, I didn't see any visions or anything like that. But, you know, I just knew. I just knew that God was there. He was real and he was just in my heart. So it was the end of year 12. Life went on. But my eyes and my heart and my mind, they were seeing and they were feeling and they were thinking different. I was hungry for the things of God. You know, Word Bookstore at the time when it existed, and Kurong were my best friends. Um, Sunshine FM all of a sudden became cool. Um, and I was sharing, um, I was just sharing the little that I knew about Jesus and God with like anyone I was hanging around. And really, the harvest was ripe for picking because so many of the people that I actually shared with um, became Christians. And, you know, decades later, they're still following Jesus. Um, so, anyway. I went back to church with mum. I joined the young adults home group and reunited with so many of my little childhood Sunday school friends. Um, you know, and that was the start of God's calling on my life. Jesus calling me to follow him and be his disciple. So even today, I can't really say, you know, what God's definitive calling on my life is. Like, you know, that he specifically called me to be a teacher or a preacher or a you know, a missionary or something like that. But, um, you know, he's continued to call me to love him with all my heart and my strength and my soul um, and to love others as I would myself. And he has been calling me to make disciples. So perhaps for me, God's calling is wrapped up in being his disciple and making disciples. So following him where I am or where he wants me to go um, or do for his kingdom and his glory um, yeah, so I'll, I, I guess I'll just share a little bit. Um, you know, one of the first uh, times I remember actually desiring to follow where Jesus was calling me rather than what I wanted to do was one of those early career choices that you make. So I'd finished uni, I'd finished a degree in marketing and management. I had a really, really cool job as a marketing assistant um, with a gaming company. You know, um, if you're a gamer, we were retailers for... EA and Sony and Nintendo back in the day, and these companies still survive. Um, I was actually offered to move to Sydney. Um, they were setting up head office there, you know, blah, blah, blah. Your career's going to be set for life, that kind of thing. But, you know, the Holy Spirit was actually stirring. So my heart had actually chosen to respond this time. And I was asking myself, why was I spending so many of my waking hours promoting racing cars and shoot 'em up games and blood and gore, and to children for that matter. Um, and I wanted to promote Jesus and the things of God. So I basically resigned. I studied primary education, but I also had a heart for chaplaincy and TESOL and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but, you know, I felt God wanted me to do teaching. So God was actually moving. He was moulding my heart's desires to actually align with the works he'd already prepared for us to do. And, you know, Paul says in Ephesians 2.1 that, you know, we are God's handiwork. 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has already prepared for us to do. That's just, there's so much in there. Um, so I really love this verse because um, I really hold on to it because it reminds me that I'm his, he created me for his kingdom, um, for his glory and not mine. So, you know, don't get me wrong though, I'm really actually um, not a, I don't know, I'm a bit of a reluctant Jesus follower. <laughs> so Elliot, my husband, would definitely confirm this. Um, you know, he actually kind of says that I'm a bit like the parable of the two sons, like I'm the son who says to their dad, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do something, but then I actually end up doing it. Um, you know, I'll come up with all sorts of obstacles and lists just to, you know, just to show God I can't do this. Um, but, you know, time after time, he'll just remove every single obstacle and I'm kind of... Um, you know, leaving me no choice but to trust him. So for me, God's calling has not been a definitive, absolute thing, as I shared, but one of a process, like through following Jesus and, and being his disciple, trusting him, and um, hopefully just, you know, knowing that he wants me to follow him for my good, but for his glory as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So even like a little thing I got out of that, oh yeah, they're not finished, but you can clap. You can, you're allowed to do that. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, the little thing I just brought out, even as you were just talking about, is you know, saying yes to Jesus and the little things and that just unfolding over time to a bigger plan that he has for you and that kind of stuff. Yeah, really cool. What about you, Janelle? All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. So uh, I have uh, Craig is my husband over there. He was up earlier. And I have three sons. Uh, and so mothering is actually a big part of my calling as well. So yes, called to follow Jesus and called to be a mother. My faith journey started uh, as a child. So I uh, was raised in Albany with Christian family. So I always kind of believed God was real. Um, but when I got to my teenage years, I wrestled with whether I wanted that for myself. I'd go to church with my family, um, but I, I wrestled over, do I want this for myself? And when I hit year 12, because I was in Albany, I needed to decide whether I wanted to own it when I moved to Perth for uni or whether I wanted to walk away. Um, so for all of that year, I felt God's conviction. Every time I'd come to church or be offered communion, I'd be on this, this internal wrestle of God, I know you're there, but do I want you? Do I want to surrender? Um, and so towards the end of that year, I, uh, I relinquished. <laughs> I agreed to, to go God's way and um, gave my life to him one day. Fast forward on from that to, uh, yeah, having married, having had kids. I, um, I went through a growth period where I would learn and I really loved reading the Bible. It was alive to me. Um, and having kids is a tough time because when you've got small children, reading the Bible or having any kind of time with God is difficult. Um, so through that time when sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when they go down for sleep, I had time. And so I'd lay on my bed and I'd read my Bible um, and journal and pray um, and sometimes fall asleep. It was beautiful. And so I just I have a really fond memory of those times together and the formational work that God was doing in my life. So at that point, I was learning how to really listen to God, to kind of push into him, to, to go beyond just a head understanding and move to my heart. He was working around me and in people around me. People were coming to faith, kind of like what you're experiencing, Em. 
Um, and so I was, I was watching and he was at work around me and it was so enlivening, so exciting, um, getting to get a glimpse of God and what he was doing, his supernatural power. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I went on this journey of, okay, what does it mean to, to listen to God, to um, follow him, to follow where he's at work in my life? Um, and also, so a lot of my time at that time was spent with people, so one-on-one with them, listening to them, encouraging them, praying with them. Um, and I started to notice that that was something that people uh, appreciated and they would actually speak that back to me. Um, and so I started to go, okay, maybe this is part of what I can do. I think it was John Piper or someone like that who said that um, what you, so finding your gifting, part of the way that you can do that is look for what you do that helps others grow in their faith. Um, and so I, I resonated with that and was able to recognise that, that actually maybe this was something I could do. I can listen, I can pray, I can come alongside people. I went uh, with Craig across to Sydney at one point for a pastoral couples retreat and we had moved to Geraldton by this stage. Our kids were a little bit older and I was at a bit of a loss, like what do I do with my life? It was kind of that transition period, they've moved into full-time school and I had had been a teacher, do I go back to teaching, what do I do? Um, And while I was over there I was really grappling with that and at one point I um, had a chat with another um, pastor's wife and Um, was kind of crying my heart out with her and sharing the struggle that I was experiencing and she uh, she was great she listened she offered to pray for me and she offered to mentor me and I felt that was really significant at the time we'd missed out on a chat where all the other couples were so as I went back into that chat they had actually all been talking together about whether they had mentors and they, they were going around the circle and and most people were saying no and this was directly after that conversation with my mentor and, and I felt at that point God saying, this is what you're going to do. Because it, I think it, it hit me that uh, there are all of these leaders who are in ministry but don't have anyone to walk alongside them, with them, um, to kind of encourage them and keep them in the game, really. Um, and so, so I felt that this was like God saying, yes, this is, this is it, this is what I've created you to do. Um, there's a great quote that I think uh, really resonates with this, Frederick Buechner. Um, and he says, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Um, and so I recognise actually there was a need here. And if, if people are, are leaving ministry because they don't have anyone to encourage them, maybe I can do something about that. Something I enjoy, something I, others have affirmed, maybe I can be doing that. Um, so then I, then I went back to Jero and was like, okay, well, if this is it, I need to... I need training, I don't know what I'm doing, like I'm doing it naturally, but it'd be great to know a little bit more of what I'm doing. So I started doing some training, went over to Sydney and did did some different cohorts and things um, and really enjoyed that. So I learned a lot about listening to God and really growing in him for myself, but also so that I can help others do that. Um, And so that has led to Craig and I having many opportunities to help people in that we, we ran a formation year, a discipleship year um, that I led that uh, was helping people grow, people who were really wanting to grow in their faith, helping them kind of move forward in their faith. Um, and so, yeah, I ran that for a year. And then I, the next year I felt God inviting me to hand that over to another leader. Um, and so actually the challenge for me in that was that, yes, I have a calling, 
I, I felt that this formation year was it, like this was what I was made to do. Um, but then I felt God inviting me to hand it over. So my, my calling is actually bigger than the role that I play. Um, my, my calling is part of who I am, how I relate with people, and I can actually do that wherever it is that God places mm. me. So that was a really significant learning. A lot of grief, a lot of tears through that. But, you know, like God leads us, doesn't he? He grows us and stretches us in that. Um, yeah, so following that, we've moved to Mounties and we still feel the same call, the call to help people grow. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what God has for us here. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. They don't applaud me, by the way. So you've done good. You've done good. They don't ever clap for me. All right, I've got a couple <laughs> of follow-up questions for you. Uh, here's a follow-up question. I'd love for you guys just to share the significance of that call. So what I'm trying to think of is why would it be important? So why is this even a deal, big deal? Like why is it important for us to know and embrace the call that God has for us? Why is that something that's important for a follower of Jesus? Well, um, I guess, yeah, I really resonate with what um, Janelle was sharing as well. Um, you know, the call is, 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 you know, bigger than the, the little roles that God um, gives us on the way to step into. Because um, I guess, for me, God's called me to his the kingdom works that he's already prepared for us to do um, by opening doors um, and gently inviting me in to join him where he already is at. Um, and, you know, when that season's over, he'll close that door and he'll open another one and so on. Um, and there was actually a time when God actually forcefully shut a door on me because I was getting very comfortable in what I was doing for him. Um, you know, uh, and he was already opening another. So it is, it is about hearing and listening and going to where he wants to go um, rather than where we feel we're meant to be. Um, so, and through this process, it's really uh, just allowed me to grow and in trust and dependence on him. Um, because, you know, you just learn that he provides everything that you need. He equips and he works those who, who trust and obey him, you know, because at the end of the day, he wants to have all the glory. So we can never say it's my skill or my talent or my hard work or my experience or my knowledge. Um, I think that's the most beautiful thing about just following him um, where he's at. So, uh, you know, God was actually calling me to be a mum. It's Mother's Day today. And this door was actually really wide open because it had to be very obvious to me because I, I was never one to go, oh, I really want kids, I really want a family. Um, I just didn't think about it that much in that sense. Um, so <laughs> it really just, God had different ideas. Um, so we found out that we were pregnant on, on the morning of September 11. The September 11. So interestingly, God had actually called me to work in an Islamic college at the time, which was, it was really growing my heart to love the Islamic people um, in that way. So that wasn't, that's another story. Um, but while, while the world was in utter shock with these two planes crashing into the Twin Towers, you know, God was actually calling Ellie and I to be parents. Um, and I wasn't prepared uh, for motherhood at all. None of my friends were even married let alone having babies. Um, so even though I struggled with, like, selfish thinking, um, you know, potentially everything I, I'd be losing um, because now I had to make way for motherhood and all this. So there, there's this reluctancy again. But um, I came around because I knew it was a, you know, it's a high calling to be a parent. And the three children that God would eventually bless us with were actually his. 
Um, so I knew um, my calling was to follow Jesus and make disciples, as I said uh, before, teaching, teaching them uh, about him. And God was about to give us our first disciple uh, in my mind. So my only choice was to depend on him at this stage. Um, so, and God is still stretching, stretching and teaching me to depend on him in terms of motherhood. Because, you know, it's probably life's toughest calling, parenting and, and mothering. And its season is so long. So we really need to know why we're doing <laughs> really long. Why we're doing what we're doing. That's why it's just so important to know that bigger call, that um, they're his. And, and in a way, because of that, we decided I'd stay at home. Um, and we were quite intentional about staying home. I'd stay at home for their formative years. And we did prioritise opportunities for their spiritual growth over, you know, all those activities and dreams that parents can squeeze in or they feel that they have pressure to squeeze in. You know, but God always made a way. Um, so we actually exposed them to studying God's word at a very, very young age. So as soon as they were two, they joined us in the Bible study that we were actually attending as well. So we'd all be on the same page, like literally God's word and also um, spiritually as well. So this really enabled us as the kids grew to just naturally talk about God, you know, sin and, and his grace and what it means to follow him and not to follow him or have him in our lives or, you know, the brokenness of the world. And it's still, it's still very natural to talk about all that kind of stuff now as the kids are basically young adults. Um, so that's been really helpful as well to, to know that calling. Um, um, yeah, that, that's kind of my motherhood kind of statement in that sense of, of the calling for being a mother and why it's important to know that they are our first disciples um, and we are, we are here and called to make disciples as well. Yeah. Yeah, and just coming off, off that, Em, I think, um, so for, for me, God has led me into lots of different things over the many years that I've been following him, um, but... You're right, so family, you know, family is our first calling other than following Jesus. Um, And so prioritising family through all of those changes has meant considering the kids' needs uh, first um, before my own calling. So I can do my calling, my ministry calling in the setting of family. So a lot of my early ministry was with mums, with uh, children, small children, Um, And also just most recently moving to Perth from Geraldton has meant a big change Um, and prioritising my kids has meant that I am choosing to work at the school that they are in so that we can have, you know, those big deep chats on the way to school, on the way home and kind of just transition as well as we can. Being teenagers and transitioning is tough. Yeah. The only other thing I'd say, Dan, is that um, so I've, I've shared my story with the big stories um, and so embracing God's call for me has actually been as much the in-between parts. So the slow bits where nothing's happening or whether you're waiting on God and you, you don't know what he's saying or what he's leading you into, um, they are as much a part of the formation and of, of learning how to listen to God as the big, big parts. Sweet. Awesome. All right, I've got one last question for you guys. I had a quote with, by Matt Chandler a couple of weeks ago that our joy is woven into his mission. It's something that I really genuinely believe. I'd love for you guys just to share with us the blessing that that call has been for you. So as you stepped into it, our great hope and prayer is that God is leading us into greater joy and life and significance, right? So how have you experienced that? Just really quickly, 
How is stepping into the call result in blessing for you? Yeah, I, so I love seeing people thrive in their faith. I think that is a deep joy. Like experiencing joy in that is, is amazing. And getting to see where God's at work. I think there's nothing more exciting in life than seeing him bring about change in people around you. Um, and so, yeah, so it gives me purpose for what I'm doing in life and it gives me a, a filter, I guess, for how I then choose what I'm doing. Sweet. Yeah, I just similar to Janelle, um, the greatest um, blessing and joy and privilege I could say today, because it's Mother's Day, is being a mum. But um, to be honest, um, yeah, bigger than that for me, it's been being part of people's faith journey, um, just seeing people grow in their passion for Christ, seeing them fall in love with God over and over again through his studying his word, and um, just witnessing them actually apply God's truth in their life. Um, in their personal situations, and also giving glory and praise to God with them, you know, sharing, sharing and celebrating that. Um, yeah, it's just been, just been a real privilege journeying with different people in the different ministries as well as personally as well um, to just see them grow. Um, and, of course, our first little disciples as well um, that God's given us as mothers to see, seeing them grow and their ups and downs and being part of that actual faith journey with them. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Why don't you thank them, church? <laughs> Amazing. All right. So each and every one of us has a call on our lives. We've been given gifts and abilities to equip us for that call. We're ambassadors, right? Continuing the creation work, and, and we're meant to do it together. And so here's my encouragement for you, and it's, I mean, it's, Mother's Day, so it is for the women. But really, it's for all of us, right? My encouragement to you would be to seek the Lord, to seek his heart, to seek his face, to know him, that you might know the calling that he's placed on your life. It brings incredible significance and joy to walk in the plans that have been prepared for you from eternity past, to know that actually millennia ago, the King of Kings set these things apart for you. And to walk in that is incredibly significant. There's a sense of joy and purpose in that place. And we want that for each and each, every one of you, right? So I encourage you in that. And one of the little takeaways I would take out of this is just about saying yes to Jesus, to be a people who say yes to Jesus regularly. That would be who we are. And so as we say yes to Jesus in the small things and the everyday things, that he would allow us, it would allow him to shape us more and more into the people we were created to be, but it would also allow him to place us exactly where he wants us to be. So may we be a people who say yes to Jesus. Amazing. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for these women. I thank you for each and every mother in this room, every woman in this room. They're a blessing to us. And, uh, and we thank you for them. And I thank you, God, that by your grace and by your mercy, you choose to include us in the ministry of your kingdom. You don't have to. God, you don't need us. You're more than capable of doing it yourself. And yet you include us in the purposes, in the plans of your ministry of the kingdom. And that's because you want to bless us. It's got nothing to do with, it, with you needing us or us coming through for you. And it's got everything to do with you seeking to lead us into greater joy and significance in life. And as we participate in the things of the kingdom, that's exactly what you do. So I pray that for every person in this room, that we would know who you are, who you've called us to be, and what it is that you've laid in front of us. And that we'd be faithful to that, Jesus. A heart of obedience would be stepping into the things that you have for us. And so we'd see you work powerfully in and through our lives. Um, and we'd be blessed by that, the joy and the significance of that. I pray for that for each and every person in this room. Amen. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.